Hi, this is Aaron Campbell, the pelvic floor region manager uh, out on the West Coast. And today we're going to be talking about development. Um, as we all know, the sales job is never static. It's always changing. In fact, it can be hard to capture all the different ways our jobs change over from year to year. Um, you know, the markets change, unforeseen challenges and some opportunities arise. Um, competitors change their tactics. New clinical trends come on the scene. New products are launched. And sometimes, uh, you know, we're launching them. Sometimes it's our competitors. And then, you know, the customers change and patients' needs are shifting. So, you know, probably in this last year, you know, in 2020, it encapsulated all of those changes. But, you know, the, the challenge and the answer to meet this challenge is very obvious. It's that we need to evolve and grow and find new ways to raise our game in order to capitalize on the opportunities in our markets. And otherwise we eventually find ourselves not keeping up with our peers and our competitors who are determined to compete and win at the highest level. Um, so considering this onslaught of market shifts over the past year, there's actually been a lot of interest from territory managers and the sales team on, they, you know, we've wanted to put a spotlight on what's working when it comes to career development, what are our best TMs doing that are um, keeping pace with the changes and actually leading in, in many instances? So today we brought together three TMs from the pelvic floor sales team who, you know, even though they come from a variety of different backgrounds, they've all done a very good job at adapting and growing in their role and becoming consistent high impact performers year after year. So. Today, I'm joined with Andrea Winters, Artie Angelo, and Mackenzie Bickley. And just to give you a little background on each of them so that you can, you know, maybe connect with parts of their background. You know, Andrea started out as a per diem rep. She was doing some, uh, working from a small med device company, um, started out as a per diem rep in prosthetic urology, and then actually became a few, a couple of years later, became a field sales associate. And after working in that role for two or three years, she was actually competed and hired, was hired on as the territory manager in one of the Texas markets. So she's been a territory manager for about three years in the pelvic floor franchise. And then Artie, um, similarly, he came from a, he actually came from a specialty pharma background. He was with Allergan for about four years. And then Artie joined our, our team first as an FSA, similar to Andrea. And then he was promoted a little bit later that year. And then finally, McKenzie. So McKenzie, um, similar to Artie, had, was working in that specialty pharma arena. Um, she was actually hired. She worked about seven years or so there um, and then was hired on in about 2018. And so all three of these territory managers are about three years into their role. And I'm really glad that you guys would join us here for this conversation today. So, just, you know, just to jump into this, this, uh, this topic, I'm going to start out just by finding out, you know, what have, you know, how has development played into your ability to be successful year over year? Um, Artie, do you want to take that one? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Aaron, for having us. This is super exciting uh, to be a part of this podcast. And I think it's super important that development is a big role in, in everyone's, you know, path going forward in their career. So I guess to answer your question, I, I think the development process for me has helped me gain skills year over year 
that have been kind of the building block of making myself a better rep. And at least here at Boston Scientific, for me, I, I kind of attribute my development in kind of two different areas that I've been focusing on. And I've seen a lot of, I guess, return on my investment with my manager um, in the development category. And that, that is kind of just the sales cycle. I remember when I first started as an FSA, it was more getting clinical and getting coaching from my manager to be, be effective and just understanding the knowledge of the space of pelvic floor. And, yeah. you know, going forward throughout the years, it's gotten me to more focusing on objection handling, those specific J&J doctors yeah. that I've been successful to convert in 2020. And it's helped me win a bunch of awards that I'm super proud of and honored to get in 2020. And the, and the same thing, what I would say is just kind of territory strategy. That's something that I focused on that I think that I've built over the last couple of years to be more strategic and spend my time in the most efficient uh, places. Yeah. So those two things for me have really been kind of a building block of year over year, taking what you learn and just always building on it to learn new skills the following year. Yeah. You know, Andrea, you have a little bit, I guess, a unique perspective because you actually started out as a per diem rep and then an FSA and then have, you know, evolved and grown into the, and as a territory manager, I mean, you know, this, I'm really interested to hear, like, what have you, how has that development process played into your ability to be successful, um, you know, each and, you know, successive year? Yeah. Thank you, Aaron, for, for the question. Um, yeah. Again, and thank you for having me on the pod, on the podcast. I really look forward to this podcast and then the future ones that we're going to have. So um, I guess like you started off in the beginning talking about this never being you know a static environment. And what I love most about development is that it's continuous. And for me, it's really evaluating like my career awareness and performance, setting new goals every year and focusing on my skills trainings and then conducting self-assessments on a regular basis. And by making these evaluations, this really allows me to establish where I am professionally and where I wanna take my career into the future. So a driver for me is to not become complacent. And yeah. I'm always wanting to just refine my skills and I wanna be an asset to this women's health space, to my teammates and my physicians and my accounts. And one of the tools that helps me do that is the success factors development tool. Mm -hmm. um, this is really a platform that we've used that allows us to set specific goals and identify what actions we're going to take to reach those goals, um, how we're going to track those actions, and we can solicit feedback from our peers as well. So I look forward to evaluating that progress throughout the year and determining whether those goals have actually been accomplished or if they need refining and I need to roll them over into the next year. Um, also want to say that I've discovered that your own personal development can also coincide with someone else's development. So <clears throat> I really love seeing others develop and helping others in any way that I can. This is something yeah. that I discovered as an FSA in the men's health space while I was working closely with residents and fellows, you know, conducting dry labs and journal clubs. And then I also found it very humbling to host the monthly FSA calls with my men's health team. You know, mm -hmm. we would share like our individual and collaborative successes and our best practices. And it's just really a joy for me seeing others evolve and come out of their shells, if you will. Um, specifically, like last week I was having a conversation with a colleague 
who just four years ago was an intern at Boston Scientific. And Mm -hmm. he was as green as green can be, you know, getting out of college and starting what he called his first real job. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, working with him, this is going to be a huge investment of time and energy. But at the same time, I'm going to be able to develop and grow in so many ways, um, you know, my leadership roles and, and skills. And this is really going to help him jumpstart into his career. Mm-hmm. And in that phone conversation, I just remember just like swelling up with pride because now he's an FMM with BPH. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very successful. And he was teaching me how to do stuff with patient, patient education webinars um, and webinar series. And so, and I told him, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. Like, I, I see your new confidence. You're like not even the same person I met four years ago. <laughs> and so just seeing others evolve is not only rewarding, but it's inspirational for us too. Yeah, that's a great insight. I mean, knowing that, you know, so often our development can kind of dovetail or coincide with someone else's and it's it's really a win-win. Um, it, you know, you started off by talking about how, you know, we just can't become complacent. And I think that that's a common barrier for all of us. Um, oftentimes when we start a new role, there's tons of growth in the first year or so. And we, you know, we're learning all kinds of new things. And then as we really come into our job and, um, you know, learn how to do it well, you know, we, it's very easy to start to coast and that complacency I think can set in. And especially, you know, around year two or year three, and you think you've kind of, you know, done what you needed to do. You've kind of mastered your products and your markets and different things. That is really one of the big barriers for us. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, you know, I think a year like 2020 has really kind of dumped all that on its head. And it was hard to be complacent in that kind of a, you know, this kind of a market just because so much was changing. And so, you know, what are, I, I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask the three of you was, you know, how have you had to adapt in the past to new circumstances that ultimately, when you look back, they led to, you know, professional growth or success? Can anyone, you know, any of you want to take that and maybe talk about the impact that it's had on, on your business? Sure. I'll take that, Erin. And, and thank you again to piggyback on what Andrea and Artie said for hosting this and having all of us um, on this podcast to share sure. our insights. So to your point, 2020, right? Yep. <laughs> it's quite oh, a man. year to adapt to new circumstances. And we all were kind of learning as we were flying the plane, so to speak. Um, but I think ultimately it led a lot of us to see professional growth and success and to think about how we do things differently and think outside the box a little bit and how we can bring more value to our customers in a new virtual world. Um, So, you know, one of the things I think what I've, one of the, my biggest takeaways over being in medical device sales for the last 10 years and and wearing some different hats in this arena is that change is constant. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to run into change no matter where you're at, what you're selling, what division you're in. Change is always going to happen and how quickly you can adapt to that change and have a positive outlook on that change is going to bode well for you. Yeah. The, the quicker you can adapt to it, the, the more you'll be able to achieve success. So, um, you know, adapting to 2020 in the virtual world specifically in pelvic floor, I kind of took that head on and tried to think about what, 
what can I do to bring the most value to my customers in their current state? And first was just try to find out what they were doing with their business. Were they doing telehealth? How were they connecting with patients? Um, were they still seeing patients in the office, mm -hmm. what they thought would be most valuable. So really just trying to get inside their head and understand what we could do to best support them and their patients. Um, one thing that I ended up doing with one of my groups was um, a nurse practitioner event where we had about 20 nurse practitioners on and they gave a talk on stress incontinence and prolapse. And this helped them spread the word to get you know more patients educated on what these disease states are. It also helped them connect with nurse practitioners and we did it all virtually, you know, yeah. to where in 2019, that wouldn't have been something likely that would have crossed my mind. So I think sometimes changes and challenges push you outside your boundaries to help you grow and think of things differently and realize that there's other ways to provide value that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Yeah. You know, what, what's interesting about that example is having, you know, organized a lot of different programs before, I think your likelihood of getting 22 nurse practitioners to show up to a, like a physical on-site event, you know, that would have been challenging. And I think the fact that you adapted and embraced like, hey, let's try this new virtual platform out is one of the reasons why you probably had such a strong response to that. I mean, would you agree with that? 100%. Or? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, either, you know, Artie or Andrea, any other thing, things that you would add around how new circumstances have, have you know, I guess, you know, you've, you've had to adapt to them and ultimately what were that's led you in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can speak to that. So I guess I had a very unique experience at the beginning of this pandemic, pandemic when we went virtual being in the epicenter in New York. Um, obviously, we weren't able to do anything whatsoever. Everything was shut down other than going to your grocery store up here. So it really made me think about different ways to be creative and really adapt. And the biggest lesson that I learned during that period was essentially you just got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, to McKenzie's point, things change all the time. You can just sit behind or you can get going and figure out what you need to do um, to still be successful. And, you know, getting feedback from my manager at the time, Aaron Turner, you know, we were able to kind of put together a plan in place to move my business virtually. And I can't tell you how many times I had Zoom calls where I was on mute or did something silly that I just wasn't used to yeah. um, because I'm used to being in like in-person meetings. And um, what I learned ultimately, again, like I said, was you just got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. It happens. And you got to be willing to adapt to the circumstances. And one of the events that I ended up um, doing was the Upsilon webinar. I, don't, I think Mackenzie had one of the, her physicians join and it was a huge success. And, and I think that's something that I would have never done um, pre-COVID. Yeah. So it gave me that skill and we grew business from it. And it's all about, again, being comfortable um, being uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the takeaways from this conversation is, you know, you can start out the year with your one or two really development goals, like areas where you think, Oh, this is where I need to really focus to drive my business forward. Sometimes things happen, circumstances happen, you know, competitors come into a market, whatever, where you have, where you have to adapt. And that's really what 2020 was. And so immediately, I think a lot of people realized 
that, oh, wow, I need to embrace, you know, and some people did it sooner than others, but embrace a new way of doing business, you know, and, and, and learn new tools and learn new, new ways of connecting with customers. And so being flexible with your development, I think is really important as events change on the ground, right? Um, well, you know, one other, I guess, question or area that would be interesting to talk about would, you know, have you ever run into like a professional obstacle where it might be you've realized that you have inexperience in a certain area or there's a certain kind of customer that you've never called on before that, you know, is a potential opportunity for you. Maybe if it's even a new thing, you know, value or, or capital or something like that, but you determined that you, you were going to have to focus on something like that in order to reach the next level of success. Because any of you had that kind of experience? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take that okay. one, Aaron. Yeah, thanks, McKenzie. <laughs> so I'll say, you know, starting when I started at Boston Scientific, um, I came from a pharmaceutical background and had been with that company for about seven years and, and medical devices is different. Well, I felt like pharma gave me some great building blocks and a lot of gr- a good foundation. Medical device is different and there's different things to learn. So you talk about inexperience. Yes, I felt very inexperienced. Yeah. <laughs> New ways of learning how to deal with customers. It's a completely different relationship. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest, you know, the first year you're learning for me, at least, I was learning new disease states, which prolapse and stress incontinence, especially prolapse, can be kind of hard to wrap your head around mm-hmm. at first and figure out what you're really looking at and how it's truly yeah. being addressed. Um, being in a hospital, you know, I had never stepped foot in an OR prior to this job. So all of that is new. Learning about contracts, all of that is new. So, so coming, you know, into this new world, I felt like I was drinking from a fire hose the yep. first year and it really took me a while to get my feet underneath me. And I say that because I think that's important for people to hear. It's when you start a new role, um, whether it's you're selling something new or you're calling on new people, it's okay to feel lost sometimes. And it's going to take you a while to figure things out and build up your confidence in the way that, you know, I did that. I was like, okay, I've got to figure out all of this stuff that is new because everything is new to me right now. So how am I going to do that? My goal for the first couple years is master the disease state, learn my customers and be the best rep yeah. that I can be. And so how am I going to do that? And I really leveraged my peers. Um, I call people a lot. I pick their brains a lot. Um, the Nashville team, I reached out to them a lot. And I think we have so many talented people at Boston Scientific that have done this job well and to really leverage them and and pick their brain and learn their insight and then just be committed to learning your disease state, you know, watching all the videos over and over again. And like I said, knowing that my goal the first two years is how can I be the best rep I can possibly be? And I can't serve my customers and my patients well if I don't fully understand the disease state and what I'm looking at and the anatomy yeah. and all these things. So kind of, you know, a long way to say, set the building blocks and leverage the people around you. You know, Boston is, has a lot of great people from our managers and 
our resources, especially in, in pelvic floor that want to help you and want to see you succeed. So leverage. Yeah, those I, mean, I think that that's, that's a good insight, Mackenzie, that, that network of people. So once you decide, Hey, the, here's, you know, a couple areas where I really need to focus to raise my game. It's going to make a big difference, you know, to my success and ultimately my income developing a network or a team of people that you can use as resources is, is a key part of that. Um, and I guess that takes me to this next question, which is, you know, right now we're, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are thinking about development for the next year. They're, you know, de- uh, an individual development plan, trying to identify and maybe narrow down of all the things I could focus on, what are two that are going to really have an impact. Every once in a while, we, you know, there, sometimes we have gaps. Sometimes we have strengths that we honestly could leverage more. And so soliciting feedback from others is a really important part of that process. Um, you know, Artie, is it, maybe you can chat a little bit about, you know, what have you learned in that process? Like, how do you solicit feedback from others? Um, you know, and have you, how have you used that feedback and incorporated it into some of your planning for on, on development goals? Yeah, absolutely. So I, in one of my first jobs out of college, actually, we did like this executive education course and there was like a two hour class on what's called the Jahari mm-hmm. window theory. Um, I'll, I'll save the details, but definitely everyone should Google it. It's an awesome um, kind of way to have self-reflection and development. And it's basically four quadrants. And to your point about strengths and gaps, it talks about the things that you know about yourself and that other people also know, which is obviously your strengths. But the two other important categories that I think are really important when you're trying to find your gaps is yep. finding the blind spot, which is something that you don't know about yourself, but maybe your manager, your peers do know. And you can ask for that constructive feedback on something that you might not even see that you're doing. And I- I've noticed that I've always asked my peers, like even if we're doing a business review of my urology counterpart, is there anything that I could have done better um, that maybe I didn't see? Or I'll always ask that from from my manager as well. And I think that's super important because that's half yes. of the communication line. If, if you don't know what you're doing wrong or where you can improve, then you're never going to improve, obviously. And on the second part of that is the opposite. It's kind of the facade. It's, you know, you know that you have an area to work on, but other people don't know it. And if they don't know it and you're not communicating that, then there's no way that they're going to be able yes. to hold you accountable and make that, you know, um, something that you can grow towards. So you got to be vulnerable with that. And you got to have that two way communication where your manager, or your peers that you're reaching out to can give you honest feedback. And then you're also being honest with yourself on what you want to work on and how to hold yourself accountable. So I think when it comes to just like my IDP, those are the two things that I really look at when I'm evaluating everything. And I'm asking my you know peers that I do calls with, and my manager, when he comes for field rides, um, that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I think one of the great resources that recently came out was the IDP um, worksheet, kind of having those two development goals. I personally like to try and have one development goal mm-hmm. that focuses on that facade, which is something that's more generally based on what I know I need to work on and maybe others don't and having that conversation with my manager so he can keep me accountable to that. And then kind of leading my manager to have um, a conversation about what he thinks that I should be working on or what maybe my peers are seeing that I'm not that I can bring to him to really hold me accountable and utilizing those activities 
to kind of put some stuff in place to really hold me accountable to that. And it's been a great resource. I always look at it. And for me, that's something that I think really helps me kind of grow year after year. No, that's a good feedback. I I love that. I mean, some people call it an accountability partner, but you know, when, when you put out there to people that can really help you, you know, that, and that, Hey, here's my stated goal. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to achieve. Um, and, and you let people know that like they're there and you let them know that, Hey, it's okay to hold me accountable. Like I want you to be involved and, and provide feedback and coaching or whatever. I mean, you do, it, it's almost like you have a partner in that, in that challenge that, that you're and down that road that you're walking. So I think that's a great perspective already. Um, you know, I guess in this one last thing we could talk about is, you know, what are some of the tips that you guys focus yourself around when it comes to development? Like, have you, you know, who have you involved in that process? I mean, Mackenzie, you've talked about developing a team and in Artie, you've talked about having a coach, but who have you involved in that process of creating the development plan and, and on working on it throughout the year? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, what you and Artie were just talking about really kind of aligns with, with this question and the more people you tell kind of what your goals are and the more accountability partners you have, the more likely you are to get to wherever you want to be. Um, And when I, I, when I think about, you know, tips to help yourself focus on development, figure out what you want to do. There's so many options within this space, you know, do you want to be the best rep that you can be and continue to move up within the different levels for territory managers? And then if that's what you want to do and you want to be the best rep forever and you want to do that, then figure out, okay, what do I need to do to get to senior? What do I need to do to get to executive? And pick a couple buckets and have a conversation with your manager and really focus on improving on those things. If your path is, hey, I would like to lead a team. I want to be a manager. I want to move into training. I want to move into marketing. There's a lot of avenues I want to do be an IDN manager. Um, That's the great thing about Boston Scientific is there's so many different avenues that you can go. And I would say to help you figure out where you want to go, pick up the phone and call some people and try to learn more about those roles. And if it's something that you want to do, and if it's something that fits within your development goals for long-term. And if so, once you kind of nail down, Hey, I know I would like to lead a team. Okay. Well, let me pick up the phone and call Aaron and see what things has he done at Boston scientific to help him get where he is now. And what advice would he have for me on things that I can focus on to become a manager? Yeah, one you know, day? The, the reality, Mackenzie, is there's so many things that we can do in our current job right now that prepare us for, you know, a, a variety of different roles down the road, but they have, they're completely applicable to what we're doing, you know? And so I think that it's exactly. one of the tips that I, that works really well is when you can marry you know, Hey, here's a development goal that actually helps me execute at a higher level in my current job, you know, and that there's a lot of, of opportunities that present themselves like that. I mean, Andrea, do you have any, what, what tips would you uh, help you focus on your development? Like, what are you doing and, and what tips would you, I guess, give to the broader sales team? 
Um, I think all of those were really great, Mackenzie. Um, you know, honestly, like she said, the sky is really the limit with Boston Scientific and kind of figuring out where you want to go and what interests you and what your passion is. And then, like she said, talk to people, um, find out what you need to do to get there. Um, I know, um, you know, in the past, I've been in careers where or jobs where I didn't really have the opportunity to broaden my skills and the advancements opportunities weren't there. So I think that's why I kind of gravitated more towards a sales role because we have more control over our success and our, debil- our abilities to develop in areas where we may be weaker. So yeah. I just feel it. we're so lucky here at Boston Scientific and the roles that we have because there's so many opportunities to grow and develop, you know, whether it's clinically or expanding on our communication and presentation skills um, conducting business reviews, uh, relationship building, or collaboration efforts with the other division. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, what I do find, though, is that when I do focus on my development opportunities, it's typically always very positive and rewarding. Yeah, no, there's no question. I, you brought up something that I think is worth maybe pull, discussing for just a second, and that's, you know, what are you passionate about? When you can... You know, I think one of the sweet spots for development is when you can marry something you're passionate about with a key strategic initiative for the franchise or for the company. And, you know, along with the development goal, like if you can do those three things like that is a sweet spot of development. And sometimes, you know, what I have found is people actually as they're focused in a new area, maybe it's in patient education and like driving more initiatives along that line, or maybe it's around, you know, being able to articulate a a value message and uh, a value approach. A lot of times there are people, TMs that actually identify a passion, they become passionate about something and it takes them um, in a, you know, I guess down a, a new road within their career because they found something that they're passionate about. Um, so anyway, I think that that's a really important thing. You can approach development from so many different perspectives, you know, already you talked about trying to find a, you know, a potential gap or blind spot. You can, you know, Andrea, you talked about, can you do something that you're passionate about and actually use that as a way to actually accelerate your career and sale and growth. So those are all great perspectives. Um, you know, as we wrap up here, you know, I guess I wanted to open this up to and you know any of you. So you've been in this role for you know three or so years now. Um, you all, you all came into the organization with you know other experience as well. I mean, what do you know now about development that you wish you had known earlier in your career? Like, what would you do differently? Yeah. So for me, I think the biggest thing that I kind of look back and for me, okay, I think it's just about networking. And finding that network and um, just having a mentor, picking up the phone, like Mackenzie said, and just figuring out like who is going to be your support system as you start to develop. And maybe that person goes into a different division and you start seeing some similarities in that role that you actually prefer more than what you're currently doing. Or you find a niche that you have that you actually want to go into the current division that you're in. Maybe you like med ed. And I think I would have never... I wouldn't have gotten as far as I have if I didn't like pick up the phone and just hear what someone does and solicit feedback on how, you know, I can be better and what maybe my interests 
are and how it could align to the position that they have. And maybe they can even connect me with someone, whether it's at Boston Scientific or not, just to get general knowledge about what that trainer position might look like or whatever the case may be. So I think just networking, you know, when we're at these sales meetings, hopefully in person, being able to, you know, strike up a conversation, introduce yourself and have that connection. So you always have um, an opportunity to reach out to that person. The one thing that I've always real, I've, I've learned and realized is that there is, I, I, I don't think there's anyone that would turn you down if you yeah. wanted to have a career conversation. So I, I think that's super important to just go for it, make the phone call, be uh, respectful of their time and I really seek what that's you, great. what you want to learn from them. Anyone else would, would, would talk about what they might do differently or what they wish you would have done earlier in your career from a development standpoint. Hey, Aaron, it's Andrea. Um, I think, you know, honestly, looking back over years of different jobs, um, the biggest thing for me is that I wish I had known that development wasn't limited and that I could take it as far and wide as I wanted to go. And I really discovered that here at Boston Scientific and the different roles that I've had and building those relationships and connections with either other TMs or FSAs or market development managers or FMMs um, in other divisions. And there's just so many possibilities. I mean, the sky is completely the limit. And so I just wish I had changed my mindset earlier and explored jobs that didn't really limit my growth potential early on. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that. That's a, that's a great perspective. I think, you know, it, with some perspective, you look back and you realize, you know, year one or two, you feel like maybe you've made it in your role. And the reality is, is that, you know, the more you actually, you know, find out what makes great reps great, it's something a little bit different for each of them. And those are all skills many times that you can um, learn. You can, you know, challenge yourself to make that part of of, of something you're going to focus on and when it might be a strategic contracting type of a skill. It's more, better business analysis. Maybe it is, you know, learning uh, how to do programs or develop and uh, um, develop your, your KOLs and your, your high volume surgeons in your area. There's so many different ways that you can develop new skills in your current role that actually, again, prepare you and take you to new places and new heights in your career. So with that, I think we'll wrap up the segment. I just want to thank the three of you for taking some time to come together for this conversation and share some of your um, insights, highlight some of the things that are working for you. And hopefully it's given you know us some different ideas that we can take back and, and apply as we think about development for in our own career. And, you know, and I, I think I'll just leave us with this, that uh, we know that development doesn't happen by accident. Our highest performing TMs, they carve out time to, and, and they think hard about, hey, some impactful places where they can really grow and develop. Um, they put a plan in place. They, they find people to go on that journey with them and be a coach and a guide and hold them accountable. And, you know, and, and ultimately, I think, raise their game so that they're performing at a higher level um, in the future and year after year. And I think that that's the opportunity in front of us. So um, hopefully we can take some of these insights and and continue to grow and develop um, in our careers here at Boston Scientific. Thank you.